Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brennan Escott with you. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Want to tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 1999. Uh, Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tell Daphne, Taylor, and Chris that Oilers now sent you. Just before we engage uh, Brian Lawton, who will be our headliner today, I want to read a text. It says, Bob, can you stop cherry-picking which text you want to read to fit your narrative you're turning into state media? Now, are you talking about the hockey team? Or are you talking about the fact that I mentioned that uh, the active cases in Edmonton had dropped from 26,000 to 5,500 in in the last calendar month? I'm I'm trying to, which which stat did you not like or which text did you not like? Actually, I was just, just reading that again. Bob, can you stop cherry picking which text you want to read to fit your narrative you're turning into state media? You know what? I probably shouldn't have read that text because it was a crappy text. Anyhow, I digress. Uh, we head off to uh, the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. We are joined by our headliner, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, or what is now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Hi, Brian. How you doing? I am good, and I do not comment on state media issues. Just for the record. Well, I mean, we got some wild stuff happening uh, in Canada right now, as you know. I mean, it's 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 yes, it is it's very, it is very big news in the United States. Trust me. Yeah, what's happening and watching what's happening in Canada? Yes. Yeah, I, I and I think that maybe the bloom has come off the rose a little bit with the uh, uh, sort of from from a large percentage of the people on the left right now are going, maybe we're going a little too far here. Uh, but anyhow, I digress. I, I just, I, I'm kind of, I think most of the people, 80% of the North American society is sort of somewhere in the middle. And the extremes kind of pull us apart either way. But that's just one guy's opinion. I just, and again, Let's go. Let's protect the elderly. Let's get back up and get let's get business going again. That's kind of how I see it, but doesn't mean that I'm right. Brian, uh, look, we had you on the show last Wednesday. The orders were getting ready uh, to take on the Chicago Blackhawks, and they gave up a ton of odd man breaks and some chances, and uh, dropped theirs after going into the All Star break on a 5-0-1 run. Um, Boom, you know, drop two in a row at home to start the post-All-Star break, and Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair um, have, were, were relieved of their duties. Full disclosure, you are friends with Dave Tippett. How did you see what trans... And I know you saw how challenged Ken Holland was to deal with it. This was not something that he wanted to do, but what's your assessment on, on the change that occurred here in Edmonton? Uh, well, of course, I still am good friends with Dave Tippett. I think he's a terrific coach. It did not work out. I did speak to him. Uh, He wishes the Oilers nothing but success. 
I've spoken to him since they've won a few games here, and he is genuinely happy for them, happy for them. And that's why he's a good coach. He's got a nice balance in life. But in the end, uh, it, it was tough for Dave. It was tough for Ken. It was tough for Oiler fans. Something had to give. So far, you couldn't ask for any better start, to be fair. Um, I don't necessarily attribute that 100% to anything different coaching, although there's no doubt there have been changes and positive changes. But at the end of the day, sometimes players just need kind of a do-over or a fresh start. And even when you're in these circumstances where it's a very tough decision for the general manager, it has to be done. Uh, it was done, and so far so good. But I don't attribute all the change in play just to say Dave Tippett was a bad coach. I don't believe that for a second. Um, and Jay deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done. But I think more than anything, when I watch the team, it's some players that it's just human nature. That's what it comes down to. Maybe it wakes some people up. Maybe they give a little more effort. Uh, Ken Holland is fully well-versed in this throughout his career. You're always hopeful that you get that kind of bump. They definitely have, and it's been a good thing for the franchise. We're joined by Brian Lawton, our uh, Will Hawk Beef Jerky headliner on today's edition of Oilers Now. Uh, and again, at the end of the day, the Edmonton Oilers had a 591 winning percentage with Dave Tippett. Like, that's a pretty impressive number. The uh, power play before he got here was ninth. It was first, first, and currently third in the league. Uh, and Glenn Galtson was a part of those staffs. The penalty killing um, went from 30th to second to ninth, and right now is about 20th. And I often look at special teams as a, a bit of a, the philosophical approach. The one, there, there's a couple things here. I, I wonder if it helped the Oilers, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. They didn't go outside the organization when they made the move, right? They, they, they went internal. Uh, we talk about organic growth with players, but they had organic growth with the coaching staff that got brought up. The combination, not just of Jay Woodcroft, but also Dave Manson. And those guys know a lot of the Oilers players, especially the defense and the deployment of the 7 and 11, or the 11 and 7, 11 forwards and 70. Do you buy that, that that maybe has helped the transition a bit? The analysis is there's always a few reasons why people stay inside the organization. One of them is obviously familiarity um, with players and then familiarity with the coaches. And then the third reason, quite frankly, is sometimes organizations, they don't want to make bigger changes at this time because there may be bigger changes coming down the road. Right. Or they may not want to spend a lot of money in bringing in somebody that's available that may be good but isn't the perfect fit. So there's a lot of different reasons why you go the direction you go, and Ken Holland would have gone through all those possibilities with his staff and ultimately came up with Jay and Dave Manson, and they've done a really nice job. Uh, so far, as I said earlier, it couldn't have gone any better than it has. You've seen significant differences in individual performance and team performance, and that's what you're hoping for. Um, so I think it's it's been a real positive for the Oilers so far. Again, that doesn't mean Dave Tippett isn't a good coach. He is a good coach. And if he wants to coach again in the NHL, he'll get the I chance. He will. Yeah. He absolutely will. But in this instance here for Edmonton, uh, it's given them some life. 
ultimately it'll be judged on how the rest of the season plays out. But so far, so good in a small sample size. What's your thoughts on playing 11 and 7? I think it's okay for a new coach coming in to maybe do a couple of different things that he has in mind in order for him to effectively do that. Maybe you're giving more D a chance so you can see what they got and compare them at this level. Um, Maybe you've made the determination that you're going to go a little bit more with some of your core forwards. You're not going to spread it out as much. I'm not in favor of it over the entire season, but in spurts, I think it's fine. Well, and part of it, we should mention this, part of it is because Duncan Keith is injured. He plays 20 minutes a game. And between Nima Lagason and Broberg on the left side, none of those guys are ready to play 20 minutes a game. So, you know, they're basically playing a combined 35 minutes a game between the three of them, and it eases the workload and doesn't overextend them. So that's part of the rationale, I think, as to why uh, they have gone 11-7. and seven. Brian, uh, I, you know, I talked to a lot of people over the course of the last couple days uh, on our travels and bumped, bumped into a former head coach, and I'm not saying the former head coach had this to say, uh, you know, Mark Spector pointed the finger back at the Oilers' top three players, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nurse. I know Kurt Levins, who writes from the Cult of Hockey, took a different approach. He said, where would the Oilers be without McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nurse? And and I personally, you know what, I look at this and I look at how much culpability and you could, how pain Ken Holland was on this. I know he felt some responsibility for this. You talked a bit about the players. You talked about human nature. Do you think it's fair to point the finger at McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nurse? I don't in the end, um, but it's certainly part of the analysis that you got to look at. For me, the conclusion would be that those players have not been the problem. You always want to get more out of them. They always want to get more out of themselves. Ultimately, it's a team game, but if I broke it up and really analyzed section by section the Oilers franchise, I would say there's still some areas outside of those players that leave some room for growth. That would be the nice way to say it to the public. The reality is they got to be better in, in certain areas, and um, those guys have not been the problem, in my opinion. They have more than carried their weight. Uh, I think they've exceeded it, but it's a team game. And publicly, if I were the GM, I would say, look, we all need to be better. And you just leave it at that. You don't get into it. That's why they have guys like you and I, so we can break it down and dive deeper into it. And to be fair to Mark Spector, he's trying to do that. I wouldn't agree with his conclusions, that's all. But that's okay. It doesn't mean that he's right or I'm right. Uh, It's just part of the dialogue. Okay. Uh, Like, you know, they sent Stuart Skinner back down today because he was up on emergency recall. it's been a long time like I'm 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 building like for me Skinner is building like just as an observer I'm going they might have something in goal they've got Broberg and specifically with all due respect to Lagasin and I don't want to upset I I bumped into your old friend Alan Walsh last night in Los Angeles after the game Uh, he's got Lagasin Lagasin's been good but you know they've got a lot of prospect defensemen coming they're a little light at prospect forwards but I generally think for the fans out there they have some confidence sort of on the scouting and you know amateur scouting and uh, development side of things you said you're trying to be polite. Are there areas you think Edmonton can improve upon? 
Well, in terms of the analysis on the D, I think you hit the nail right on the head. The combination of three players you could use right now to fill in for some gaps be a Duncan Keith returns. But the reality is that where they're at in their development, it seems like a bridge too far to expect those players to be able to carry it on any given night. And these are things that happen to teams specifically with their depth. Yep. And at the forward position, I could, you know, you and I have talked about it. The loss of Archibald has definitely hurt. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's still a dearth of the quality that they need to get in the bottom six in order to to be a real Stanley Cup competing team until that happens. Um, and you can grow that internally, and you can do that in a variety of different ways. You're still going to have issues on certain nights with that, in my opinion. Do you, has Skinner opened up some eyes for you in goal? He has. He has. And obviously, the switch happened today. He's back down. Koskinen comes off the COVID list. Um, you know, but he's a guy I'd be real excited about if I was a general manager. I'm sure Ken Holland is very excited about the prospects for him. Uh, you know, they've got the luxury, hopefully, of not having to throw him in above his head to ask him to do too much at this time, but he's clearly capable of coming in and winning games for the Edmonton Oilers. I just don't think you can ride him all the way to where you want to go at this stage. Well, and as you know, I mean, he's tracking to be here full-time next year, and, you know, probably I would think it at least, given Edmonton's situation and the West, you're, you know, both your goalies have to be capable, in my opinion, of playing 25 to 35 games. Like, you can't have a guy that can only play 10. We've seen that before with Cam Talbot when there wasn't the confidence in Laurent Brassois. So, there you have it. All right, switching focus, Brian. I want to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. I had somebody send me a message saying, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have uh, placed great emphasis on R&D. We know that. Um, And uh, they also... uh, uh, it, it is a copycat league, and this individual referenced the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and said, uh, "Yes, the RNA or the R&D that the Vegas Golden Knights uh, deployed was rip off and duplicate what the Tampa Bay Lightning did by stash and stone on LTIR with uh, tonight's." Uh, it's a big game, Vegas and Colorado, and Jack Eichel's in. We're hearing rumblings that they might have to do something in goal. What's your? Is the league going to have to change how uh, the LTIR rule works come playoff time? No, I don't think so. I think it gets people up in arms. But Tampa Bay didn't create that loophole. That's always kind of been there. They could go back and revisit it. It happened once in a big way. Now it's happening again. Does that mean they'll change it? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, it's a combination of the league wanting to change it and the players. The players are underwriting, you know, half of the cost of this, too. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, You know, does it feel convenient? that Jack Eichel is ready to play and Mark Stone is ready to come back. Yes, it does. Uh, Is Mark Stone fake hurt? No, I don't believe that for a second. But is it advantageous for Vegas? Yes, it is. Will they look at it? My suspicion is it's one of those things, and I've been involved in these meetings, that makes it onto the agenda and doesn't go anywhere yet. If it continues to persist and elevate in its nature, then it would be changed. But I would not see it being changed, uh, certainly not during the year, 
and and I don't even believe during this offseason. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Arizona possibly playing at ASU's arena? That's a tough one. On the surface, that makes no sense to me. Um, you can understand why players and other owners would be very unhappy about it. First of all, you know, when you're in a situation like Arizona and your revenue would drop because of something like this, you are entitled to get paid by the other franchises. I could see them taking exception to the fact that, well, you're not trying hard enough. You know, it's so outside the box to play in such a small arena and then to come out and make the statement that it's going to be for so long. I think that's going to be unfathomable to some of the other ownership groups around the league. And I think that potentially is problematic in terms of the players. You know, they're getting paid on a percentage of the share of revenue that's brought in. And this is not maximizing that revenue. There's nothing that says that teams have to maximize that revenue. The players don't have that kind of power to jump in and change things, but they certainly have a case here to say, wait a minute, this is so abnormal. This is so out of the standards that it doesn't feel right. And we don't want it to go on. Will they be able to change it singularly? No, but maybe the combination of the two can do something about it. I do know this. The way the league operates, uh, the league does not operate teams. They operate independently. This is not, because the NHL has not stopped them from doing this, does not in any way, shape, or form mean they agree or disagree with it. So I know some people have kind of looked at it and said, well, the league must bless this. That's not the case at all. The Arizona Coyotes are one of 32 franchises in this league. Their responsibility is to pay certain amounts that they're required to by the league to do certain things, and they collect revenues, of course, from the league. But notwithstanding any problems in those two areas, it's Arizona's decision to do this, and the league has to invoke extraordinary powers to change it as a league from a distance. Could they do that? You'd have to ask Gary Bettman and Bill Daly that. But it's not as simple as maybe some people have summarized it as. Well, we're having a time in this country right now where extraordinary powers are being leveraged. So uh, there you have it. You like how I worked that back to where we started from? I love how you got that in there. uh, One final one for you, Brian, and it's a total curveball. So the Oilers are at 11-7. and They are going to get Duncan Keith back at some point, probably within a couple weeks. When Keith comes back, that's a a 20-minute game defenseman on the left side. Maybe at that stage, the Oilers uh, end up going 12-6. and We've had a couple texters today ask, because of the situation the New York Islanders are in, ask about Ross Johnson. So put on your GM hat for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and maybe you don't think Lou Lamarillo would even move Ross Johnson, but he's got a four-year contract at $1.1 million, which is a lot of money. Um, if he was playing as a fourth-line guy, I realize they played him a little higher in the lineup in this recent road trip. Would he be a fit for Edmonton, do you think? I think he potentially could. I mean, the four years, it really doesn't hurt you if you're working with a team that's not afraid to bury a player if the situation changes. In the Islanders' case, everything had been clicking up to this year for them. Far exceeded everybody's expectations. Eastern Conference Finals, back-to-back years. uh, Not doing it necessarily with a star-studded roster, but a real true team effort. Exactly what Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz are trying to create Ross Johnson fits with that mentality, plays a very specific role, and it doesn't handicap or handcuff them in any way, shape, or form. 
could it benefit Edmonton? Yes. Would they want to go that route? Now you're into talking to your ownership about something like that. And even though it's not a lot of money, it's just something you want to make sure you're on the same page with. Ultimately, I don't believe that Daryl would have any issue with it. That's a Ken Holland call. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, 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 I'm a, maybe I'm a little old school, but I think when you have two of the bigger stars, I mean, I like that the team has had a little bit of team pushback here over the last uh, few games. They still, without casting in the lineup, you don't want Darnell Nurse doing it. Evander Kane could do a little pushing back. They got to be sort of teamed, but I, I, I wonder whether or not I'm looking at that team down south. That's a tough team in Calgary, and I'm just wondering you. <laughs> It is a tough team, Bob. You just have to reconcile the term. If you're okay with that, if you're going, I wouldn't do it just because Zach Cassian is out right now. Yeah. But if you want to do it because sometimes you got to keep up with the Joneses, then you'll do it. But that's still a Ken Holland decision. Does he think? One of the guys who really was an innovator in this space, one of the first teams to get away from that element all throughout their Stanley Cup winning years, they didn't really ride with the toughest of teams. They had tough players, but they were one team that I always felt was a little bit ahead of its team. I just right. adopted that a little bit more in Tampa. Um, but is it back in vogue when you consider the neighbors to the south, as you just mentioned? Brian, great stuff. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. We'll hook up next week. Appreciate it, Bob. Thanks for having me on. That is Brian Lawton uh, for uh, from the NHL Network, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He has uh, met with uh, multiple organizations in a uh, senior executive role. We'll take a quick timeout. 12.54, you're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Thank you, Leon. 12.56 in Edmonton. We'll tell you, Dreisaitl currently tied for the NHL goal-scoring lead with 33, tied uh, for the NHL points lead with uh, 66 with teammate Connor McDavid. Herm has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, it's a team game. Woodcroft and Manson are building team culture, making each player feel like they all need to contribute to have team success. Spreading accountability and responsibility will show returns in the standing. Herm, who's a former goaltender himself, adds, uh, Stuart Skinner is showing he can play, so let's let him continue to develop in the A. Watching Manson with the Raiders years ago, uh, it's about bringing the same quality and toughness to the Oilers. You don't have to drop your gloves to show toughness. Um, that one's from Herman. Yeah, you got to stay in the fight. And you, you can't back down in competitive uh, situations on the ice. And he touched all the bases. 12 years in the Western League for Dave Manson. You know, then coaching the Oilers' prospects, playing every role in the NHL. He fought, then he became a power play guy, and then he reinvented himself late in his career as a defensive shutdown guy. And, uh, you know, took the punch from uh, Sergio Momesso that uh, altered his ability to speak, and so he had to be creative in terms of communicating. And so it's uh, it's a good one. It's uh, It's been a, a good fit so far. Early returns are very positive. I know there's a fair amount of excitement in oil country. 12.58. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. David Staples, Cult of Hockey, when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.